0: well welcome everybody to the must read alaska show i'm your host john quick coming to you live from somewhere in alaska and uh i want to hope i want to thank everybody for tuning in today um we are out of facebook jail which is awesome and we're back to the facebook lives during the must read alaska show so we are very excited about that we want to thank everybody that listens watches or reads must read alaska we have just had a phenomenal phenomenal year this year we're going to reach probably around 100 million people reached through social media uh, just this year, 2022, which is a significant increase. Last year, I think we reached around 20 million. This year, 100 million, which is just huge for us. We're up to about 1.2 million page views a month on our website. And you know things are just going well for us. So we want to thank you Uh, Thank you to everybody that helps contribute to those numbers. Uh, You know, lots of folks in the lower 48 and even different countries tune in. So we're pretty excited about that. If you want to help keep the lights on with Must Read Alaska, we're not funded by some shady George Soros nonprofit conglomerate. We're funded by everyday folks that live in Alaska, folks that believe in what we're doing, believe in conservative news and, and donate $100 at a time or $5 at a time. Every dollar helps. And so we just want to encourage you that if you if you consume our content, we have no paywalls, everything's free. And if you enjoy it, make sure to give us a donate button if you're, you know, if you're willing and able. So without further ado, I want to welcome Senator Shelley Hughes to the Must Read Alaska show. Welcome, Senator Shelley Hughes.
1: Thank you. And I wanna say congratulations on such a successful year. You said a hundred million. That that's Pretty impressive. Yeah. And I will tell you, I appreciate um, the fact that you don't have a paywall because, you know, I I um have there have been a few articles here and there with my name in them recently. And um <laughs> I'll click to go read them and I can't get in unless I subscribe. So not having a paywall is actually a great way to get the word out. So thank you. And yeah.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And Senator, I want to tell you that. The messages that I've been hearing, the social media chatter that I've been seeing in the last couple of days are uh, conservatives and conservatives in Alaska are very appreciative towards you and Mike and Senator Shower and Senator Meyer for, you know, having some integrity and actually caucusing with folks that you represent. And so I think, you know, sometimes that can be lost in transition as you are having these meetings, and you're maybe the people that are negative or sometimes louder than the people that are positive. But I would say overwhelmingly what I've seen as I talk to people and friends that are you know know a thing or two about politics and they're super voters, they are very appreciative that um that you you know you ran on one thing and you're doing exactly what you said you would do, and you uh, did not allow for the Democrats to have the majority so. Um, you didn't go caucus with them, which are, you know, I think is easier said than done, but I appreciate you doing that. So I just wanted to say that. But also the question to you is this, pretend as if people have been living under a rock and they don't know what's happening. Give us the rundown on exactly what's happened over the last week. Um, how did it start? Where did we end up? Walk us through those uh, that story.
1: Sure. Happy to do that, John. Um, Well, if they peeked out of the rock, your audience would know there was ranked (laughs) choice voting. And we knew that that might um, change the makeup of the Senate. Even over the summer, began having conversations with my Republican colleagues about different policies that we could coalesce around. Because for seven years, the PFD has been a point of contention and has created a divide among Republicans. And so began to have those conversations, things that um, to my various Republican colleagues that are now in the bipartisan coalition, things that they've been excited about, that actually are good policies, and trying to find something we could coalesce around. Well, um, on November eighth, as the results were coming in, and actually, I'll back up. um, Before that, we knew that there were five seats, essentially, that were would be uh, important to win if the, um, a Republican caucus were to tip a little more to the right. Um, we, didn't, we didn't win those five seats, so we knew the likelihood of a bipartisan uh, coalition was obviously much greater. So picked up the conversation, reached out by text, um, phone, left phone call, voicemails, and emails with a proposal um, that we felt was reasonable, it was actually um, somewhat similar to how Mike Chenault for years uh, led the, uh, a very diverse House majority and made a proposal of how we could be sure to pass a budget so it was a, a very reasonable, viable um, uh, proposal, knowing that it would not be a far right, but it'd be a rather, you know, Republican caucus would be right of center but not a far-right um, caucus. So very reasonable, not proposing draconian cuts, um, following actually the recommendation that senator Let Kaufman had in a bill, in a resolution, how to keep the operating budget under control. And also with um, the, the caveat that the PFD would be voted in a separate budget bill um, because, and, and, and that was part of the recognition as the results rolled in November 8th and the days following based on who is going to serve. When I looked at the count, started counting noses, there's 20 people in the Senate, right? There in the past, over the last seven years, we have tipped anywhere from, um, 10 to 11 on one side or the other of the PFD. And depending who was in the room. Or, what mood somebody was in on that particular day. Sometimes we had the votes for um, following the law, and sometimes we didn't. Sometimes we had the vote for a larger PFD, and sometimes we had one for one significantly reduced. But it was kind of split down the middle. Well, looking at those results coming in November 8th, it was clear there were probably 13, 14 um, votes for a reduced PFD. So, recognizing that, I thought, okay. We already know there's going to be a reduced PFD. So that issue is a foregone conclusion. We don't need to be uh, fighting over that. We don't need to have any power play over that. We just know that's what is going to be as a group of Republicans. So let's go from there, pick two or three policy priorities Uh, set the budget up. um, And the way, like I said, the James Kaufman idea is you set a target amount and you come into the majority with that that amount in mind and you stick with that. And then you know you've got your votes and you um, put the PFD in a separate bill. So very, very reasonable, viable plan. The problem, John, was that as we put it out there, we were not getting any responses people were not replying. Um, there was no interest in having a conversation. And then right shortly before the bipartisan coalition um, announced, I did get a call basically that they were not interested and um, were not even interested in coming into a room to have a conversation, no interested in joining wow. together for a dialogue. So they Which never was- they
0: never even heard you out in person to kind of work through some of these proposed this proposal, they just read an email and said, thanks, but no thanks.
1: Yes. And I was leaving voicemails explaining it. And I did have a couple conversations with some of them. But it, you know, even when I'd have conversation, there was never any engagement like, gee, maybe that would work, it would just be listen, and then change the subject to something else. So um I, uh, part of I, I, I felt like it was a, An alternative that actually would have been quite successful. But here's the real kicker, John. When we looked at the numbers, first of all, numerically it was a majority—eleven people with Rs after their name, nine with Ds. But numerically, when you look at the votes, when we looked, it it, actually the first choice votes. But it actually went up um, once they did the elimination process. um, So it even went up even more. But it was more than 65 percent of The people who voted cast their vote for a Republican to represent them in the state senate. So when 65% of the voters are speaking, that I think that um, you should we should respect that. And really, it's 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 troubling to me. It's it's an arrogance too that when if we think we can defy the voters, when 65% say we want a Republican, they are indicating they want a right of center majority. Now they're not indicating they want a far right majority, but right of center. Mm-hmm. And that's what our proposal was. And I believe that would have been um, the proper way, the appropriate thing to do as far as respecting the wishes of the voters.
0: So um, it looks like the majority or a lot of the committee chairs are have went to Democrats. Um, a lot of folks, including myself, you know, sometimes don't understand or realize why committee chairs are so important. Talk to us a little bit about why it's important, what, you know, for conservatives, why it would be important to get Republicans in those committee chair roles. And, you know, it, It. a lot of folks think, well, I'll just get stuff done anyways, you know, just, I don't understand why you just don't get stuff done where all these little intricate pieces have to line up for conservative ideas to get put forward and bills to be passed. Why are these chairs so important?
1: They're the gatekeeper for the bills. Um, they decide what gets heard and what moves out pretty much and um, what amendments um, can come forward and just the, that whole process. So there's a lot of power and control in, involved in in uh, who is the chair. So, um, yeah, I want to rewind just a second back to the organization conversation as well, yeah. um, because um, <laughs> it's kind of funny because... The reasons given were um, that we had not pep- voted for this year's budget. Mm. Well, the truth of the matter is that Senator Schauer, Senator Myers, and I had all voted yes on all the budget votes this year. The interesting thing, there were some of the people that are now in the majority, bipartisan majority, who did not vote for all the key budget <laughs> votes, including <laughs> Senator Sedman. Senator um, Bishop, uh, Senator Hoffman, and then some who are no longer in in serving, such as Senator Von Imhoff and Senator Revac. So it's it's kind of funny. The reason they gave actually some of their own members um, didn't vote. It is true that in, in there are some prior key budget votes that the three of us did not vote for, but there were also Senator Hoffman would be in that group as well, as far as prior years. So, um, that reason kind of falls flat. No. Uh, the other reason is that we don't work well with others. Well, um, you know, it, we actually have a, a great track record record of getting things through. We actually had some great achievements, uh, this year working, um, actually with other Republicans and across the aisle. For instance, we, we were able to get Mayor Bronson some um, money for the Port of Anchorage yep. and very important for the Port of Nome, national security and some uh, money for roads in the fastest growing area of the state, my, my area. So that, th- those were one of many examples. We worked to get the sexual assault crime bill through, uh, working with, um, members and leading that. So, and when you think about it too, the repeal of SB 91 was actually led by the conservatives. I was chair of the judiciary at the time and Senator Schauer was, um, on the committee and, uh, Senator Reinbold was quite the spokesperson. Senator Costello was the spokesperson on the floor. So many of these things and the reading bill, also the read, the read by nine bill was something that, um, Tom Begich and I worked together and brought Senator Holland to understand the importance of that bill. And we were able to win over Senator Machiki and Senator Gary Stevens on that committee. And it became something that we got through. So the fact that we don't work well with others is is false. It's um, it's it's a, it's a nice soundbite for them, but it's just not true.
0: Yeah. So what does this mean for the three of you? Um you know, obviously, you're still going to be working on stuff, but how does this change the dynamics of, you know, you've you're the Senate Majority Leader right now. To now, you're going to be in the, you know, minority. The three of you trying to get some stuff done. What does this look like for you this year?
1: Um, that's this a nice way. To, right. That's <laughs> a nice nice way to say we got kicked to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it, we will not have the ability uh, to have much say in, in how things um, run through, but we will be a voice for Alaskans and we will stand up for the things that are important for Alaska's future, for strong families, for strong communities and strong economy. Um, You know, we, we will work where we can if there's an amendment or something that we maybe can win some votes on, we will definitely try that kind of thing, but we will pretty much be the voice. And then also, we will point out where we think they might be going off track so that Alaskans will be aware. And really that's the minority has, doesn't have a lot of power, but they have a voice. And so that will be our big role. Um, And, you know, we'll see what happens over in the house. And of course, we have been really supportive of the government governor these past four years. And we don't plan to let up with that as he aligns with the Republican platform and our conservative principles, we will be right there to do whatever we can. You know, we had hoped that a few um, might um, break away and be part of a, a, a minority, an official recognized minority. You know, when you hit the magic number of five in the Senate as a minority, then you're officially recognized and you get seats on the committees, you get a seat on at the finance table, and, and you get um, press secretary. You just have more resources at hand. And so we had hoped a, a few of them from red districts, such as um, Senator David Wilson and um, uh, James Kaufman. I think he won by 15 percent. And um, Senator-elect Jesse Bjorkman, of course, is from a very red district. We had hoped that um, they would band together with us. And we felt like that would have been great leverage with our Republican governor. But even with three Working with a governor, um, we're, we hope to be helpful, however we can. And you know, if the bipartisan coalition, if, they're, if they've got something that's good, is you know, we're not going to fight everything. If there's something yeah, good sure. for Alaska, we'll get behind it. But what I'm picking up on, if you listen to their press conference, it sounds like they're looking at increasing education funding. Oh yeah. Well, where's the accountability piece with that? You know, we if we're going to increase funding, we need accountability. Um, because we want results and the results are pretty pathetic. And sadly right now, you know, it will the PERS to retirement um, defined benefits. Will that come back up when I count the noses? I think there are the votes for it.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think we'll see the uh, defined benefits come back. We'll see increase in educational funding and we'll see probably one of the biggest uh, bloated budgets. Uh, if you don't factor in capital expenses that Alaska's is seeing. Right. And
1: funds. to pay for that, you know, and I, I didn't look at the oil prices this morning, but they've been hovering, you know, once they get down under $90 a barrel, down to $87 a barrel, you've, we've got a problem. And so when you're talking about increasing funding, um, you're, where are they going to get it? They're going to get it from the PFD. I think a lot of people are guessing the, the PFD is in tremendous jeopardy, and I'd have to agree.
0: Oh, yeah. And I, I think that uh, in particular, Senator Wilson and Senator Bjorkman are going to come home to town hall meetings where 90% of the people at those meetings are going to be extremely aggravated uh, at them letting the Democrats have control. In effect, in a binding caucus where their now conservative voice is no longer heard. So kudos to you, Shower Myers, for being in the minority, to still having a voice, for not having to be a part of. Something that it doesn't represent uh, not only the folks that live in your area but also live in the uh, in Alaska. So, what do you think this means for Alaska? Do you think that Alaska is turning purple or more blue, or do you think this is just a speed bump in uh, in a, a situation where we'll get back on track in the next year or so?
1: So, I I think ranked choice voting turned the legislature. It's leaning towards purple for sure. Um. Now the makeup of the people i I have been concerned when you have about a third of our population John on Medicaid and that goes back to Walker um, expanding Medicaid to um, able-bodied working age adults, which actually jeopardizes the truly vulnerable who need it and we already hear stories of that when you have one third of the population dependent on that um, and you know I I, I think and when with Biden's policies that have crippled our resource development industry so you you lose private sector jobs and you have more people dependent on government that do- has changed the demographics however i think i'm i'm not going to give up hope because uh, alaska is a great place to live it was a blessing to my family place of opportunity um, I've told people, and I think maybe on your show, I was under the poverty level with small children, and you know that this was a great place where you can just live the American dream right and yeah. I want that to continue and i I think that there's a silent majority that if they were to awaken, I think there are a lot of good people busy with their lives that didn't vote what what was the the voter turnout somewhere around forty percent i yeah. i was that what it was? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I knew in my gut, if we weren't up closer to the turnout that you typically see in a presidential uh, election year, that we might have this problem, that things would not go so well on the ballot if we didn't have a higher turnout. This is exactly what happened. So um, yes, I think the demographics have shifted some um, due to the factors uh, of um, pressure from the Biden administration to what Walker did. But I still think that that if you we really were to get everybody to the polls and um, that understood what was at stake, I think we we wouldn't need to be turning blue.
0: So, last question to this senator: What's an effective way? Let's say there's listeners that are going to listen to this, and they live in these districts where these Republicans have now given the control over to the Democrats and have silenced the conservative vote. What's an effective way for Them to state their case to these uh, elected officials in their district who they think, you know, are not representing them anymore. Maybe is it phone calls? Is it it emails? Uh, Is it town halls? What's a good way for for folks that are maybe feeling disenfranchised right now because they live in the Valley or they live on the Kenai Borough in the Kenai Peninsula Borough and they're thinking, well, crap, I guess I got to wait six, you know, four more years. Is there something they can do now?
1: Yeah, um, well, some of the seats are half of them are two year and half of them are four years. So it's just because the senator's in for four, some of them are two. And I think everything you you listed was right. I think um, calling into the talk shows as well, and and uh, social media and all of that, and just politely, respectfully um, urging their senators um, to. Um, I mean, it's actually technically it's not too late. The committee on committees the gaveling in and the swearing in of the the Senate president has not happened. I mean, technically it's, I know there are some people still trying to urge some of those that have joined um, to, to pull. And, you know, one, if, if one person were to pull things could unravel now, do I think that's going to happen? I kind of don't think it is, but um, you know, if, if I lived in one of these areas, I would be urging uh, my senator or senator-elect to reconsider and, and respect the voters. Defying voters is, like I said, it's a very arrogant thing to do. And um, yeah, not to mention it's, it's just not good for Alaska as far as our economy and what we have to work with. Um, yeah. In fact, what I I heard that the part of the bipartisan's uh, priorities is to Help strengthen the economy, and because of inflation and everything, but what they're talking about doing is pumping more money into government. You know, you yeah. increase spending that that actually complicates it. Does the opposite of what they're trying to do. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Their version of uh, fixing the economy and our version of fixing the economy look a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Senator, I, w- I want to thank you so much for joining us. I want to encourage you and the other. Two senators to you know uh, hold your head up high, and we were very uh, fortunate uh, to have you three uh, standing up for integrity, standing up for the things that you that you campaigned on. And I know it's hard and tough to be in the minority, but we are blessed to have you there because um, uh, it's something that I think is you know needed to keep that checks and balance. to to the Senate. Somebody's got to be looking over the shoulder and saying, eh, I don't think I like that, and then informing the conservatives on what's actually happening, and at least we got three of you out there that are going to be doing that, so I appreciate that. Do you have any last minute things you want to say before we head off here?
1: Yeah, I, I do, because if we go back to the beginning, we talked of the reasons given why we weren't included was that we don't work well, and we didn't vote for budgets, but I kind of disproved that by saying actually some of them didn't vote for budgets. And we actually have been very successful working well. So then why? Why um, was it set up with the out the three of us in it? And it is because of the PFD. And people need to understand that. That is why that policy disagreement is, is why, which is actually kind of unnecessary knowing that they had the 14 votes, but um, that's that's what it stems from, and that is what is at stake. So we will see how that progresses. But I want to say in closing, John, um, my hashtag, I don't know when I started it, was hashtag telling it like it is. I will continue to keep folks informed. I know we all do. Um, Senator Myers and Senator Shower each do Facebook lives. I will be doing that. I think I'm going to be doing those on Monday nights, probably. If we keep that pattern of the last couple of years, we'll see. We have a legislative town hall, actually, this coming Monday at six o'clock on the Palma Wasilla Highway. We're using the Real Life Church uh, because they have Zoom capability and a larger space than the Legislative Information Office. And so that'll be an opportunity and then I am planning to have a coffee chat and it is a week from Saturday. What would that date be? Let me say real quick, it would be the 10th. Okay. So December 10th, I will be having a coffee chat. So stay tuned, love to hear from and have conversations. Town halls, will be listening to what the constituents have to say. A coffee chat is a little different because we listen, but we converse and it's more of a discussion. So there so you have if it. Folks
0: that, if folks that live in your district have a uh, question? Do you got do you, Do you have the office number off the top of your head, or an email that you can throw out? You know, somebody lives in your district, and they're like, I don't, "This highway's bugging me," or my, you know, just the normal stuff that people are yeah. curious or wonder about. What's a good content? Yeah, for they, your they, they can
1: Google Google, and it'll pop up. But they also it's nine zero seven is office number is nine zero seven three seven six three seven two five three seven six three seven two five, and then. All the Senator's emails, you write Senator dot and then first name dot last name at A-K-L-E-G dot gov. So I'm Senator dot Shelley with an E-Y dot Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S at ak dot gov.
0: Awesome. Well, I wish you nothing but success this year, Senator. Thank you so much for coming on the Mustery Alaska show. And folks that listen to our podcast, maybe on iHeartRadio or Pandora or Spotify or iTunes, and you enjoy the content, make sure to give us a review there, five star review. We'd love one. And uh, it only takes about two seconds to do that. And we appreciate every single one of those. We've got about 700 five star reviews. And so we're very appreciative to all those folks that do that. And we want to remind folks that I'm going to be on the show, let's see her Thursday with a very cool guest. I have a guest from New York city that has one of the top true crime podcasts in the entire U S and he's going to be on the show. He writes for the New York post and has his very own XM uh, channel as well, but it's always fun to switch it up and have some pop culture stuff. So that'll be fun on Thursday and we hope everybody has a great week until next time. I'm John quick from somewhere in Alaska. Thanks. And Merry
1: son. Christmas. Happy holidays.
0: <laughs> Thanks.